This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in roughly 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? It's very good, Bryce. Is it? It is. That's good. At this point, we will be in Japan. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do the maths in my head there. We may actually be on a plane to Japan. But yeah, this is pre-recorded. Aren't all things pre-recorded? <laughs> well, true, true. Not too many live podcasts out there. But yeah, we are taking... Well, we're not taking a break from Equity Mates because uh, the content schedule will keep on rolling. That fire hose of content can't be turned off. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, we are going to be overseas for a couple of weeks to watch the Wallabies in Japan for the World Cup. So we have done a few episodes, done a few interviews, and this is the first of those. Absolutely. So today, Ren, it's a return to the industry deep dive. It is. Yes. We, we did call it a shallow dive at one stage. Oh, well, let's stick with shallow dive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll dive in one way or another. Industry shallow dive. And today we've decided to take a look at the agricultural industry in Australia. Yes. Pretty big industry. Massive industry. Very important to Australia. 12% of GDP. Wow. There you go. Yeah. So I was going to do the stats for the industry, but Ren's just taken it away from me. Um, oh, well, I'll give you a hint. There's more than one stat. Okay, good, good, because I've got some as well. So I think what we'll do today, Ren, is we'll have a look at, I guess, some of the key stats around the agriculture industry. Yes. We I will... promise not to take any more from you. <laughs> <laughs> Depends which year we've taken them from. That's the thing. So they could, they could be different. True. We'll have a look at some of the major factors to consider when you're thinking about investing in the agricultural industry and companies that, uh, I guess, support the industry. And then touch on some of the major public companies that are out there on the ASX and then have a look at some of the private ones as well because there are some large companies in the Australian agricultural industry that are not listed but yeah. have a very important role to play. Yeah, and we might also just talk about some other ways to get exposure to agriculture. 
without having to invest in a cow yourself. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That'll become clear later in the episode. How are your cows going? Uh, they yeah. are... Your cows out the I, back. I was trying to. I was trying to <laughs> come up with some way. You know, like what's the saying? Um, I don't know. Until the cows come home. Crowing till the cows no, come no. home. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, look, I've really butchered it. Uh, <laughs> so, let's, all right. Well, let's move on. Let's, well, I'll just take an L on that one. So, uh, I mean, I'll kick it off with a few stats. Yes. Uh, happy for you to jump in and support where required. This has come straight from the Australian Government Department of Agriculture. So if you're going to challenge me, you're challenging the Australian government. <laughs> wow, someone's come out fiery early. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know if we should be going to Japan together. <laughs> so 58% of the Australian land use is to do with agriculture. Ooh, what I've have you got? <laughs> do you have something different? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, what have you got? I've got farmers and graziers own 61% of Australia's land mass. Okay. But uh, to find farmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're, we're ballpark the same. Yeah, we're ballpark the same. Yeah. I've also got, this is 2016-17, so you might have an updated one, Ren, but 14% of goods and services exported came from Australian agriculture. There you go. So quite a large contribution to our export industry. Yeah. I'm sure it's increased since then, being in 2019. The, the value of agriculture, fisheries, forestry production has increased by 34% in the past 20 years in real terms. Yeah. So that means adjusted for inflation. So from approximately $49 billion in 1998-99 to around $66 billion in 2017-2018. So do you have an updated figure for that? No, that's, that's the figure I had. So sixty billion I saw on a government website, but then I I think it was on Wikipedia. It said one hundred and fifty five billion. So Wikipedia is not normally wrong, but anyway. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we can conclude large contribution <laughs> and yes. large value of of production when it comes to to agriculture. Obviously, a very large employer as well uh, yes. across the industry with over two hundred thousand people employed in the agricultural industry. So very important industry to Australia and one that. As an investor, if you if you see where Australia is positioned in the Asia Pacific region at the ro- moment and the role that we play when it comes to, I guess, uh, supplying food and and agricultural products, we're in a very good position to sort of I guess take advantage of the demand that comes from these growing Asian economies. So uh, we'll get into that a bit later. Is there anything else you would like to add to an industry stats point of view, Ren? So Australia is. Big in the organic game. Yep. Has 35 million hectares of certified organic farmland. Here's a question for you. As a percentage of total world organic farmland, how much does Australia represent? Total organic farmland? Yes. Australia total world would represent... Ooh, 16%. 16%? No, 51% wow. of the world's certified organic farms, uh, farmland, is in Australia. So Australia is number one in terms of the organic industry, I guess. I wonder if that means other countries don't have as much of a desire to be doing it or they don't have the, the land itself. I wonder what the reasons for that are. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think you, you really covered the... Basics of the the industry. It's such an important part of 
I mean, the Australian psyche, but also the Australian economy. And it's probably something that is under-invested in just from an ASX, you know, investor standpoint. So we'll talk about some ways to get exposure to it, but it's just, it's something that probably everyone thinks about, but not many people have invested in. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to close out with looking a bit at the export industry because it's important to think about companies when you're investing and if they have exposure to this export side of things, that's where they get a lot of their growth from. So meat and live animals has been the fastest growing export segment uh, across the industry, growing at almost 80% in value over the last 20 years, followed by forest products, which is up 53%, and fruit and veg rent up 52%. So that's good news for Costa, who is your stock pick of the year. Haven't checked in on that, but um, (laughs) (laughs) good news for them. So Australia exports about two-thirds of total value of agriculture, fisheries, and forestry. So... The export market is incredibly important for all of our local farmers and and producers. So before we jump into companies, Ren, I think it's important to just touch on a few factors that you need to consider when investing in the agricultural industry because there are a lot of things that can impact on the production volumes and and prices and it's you know it's a commodities based business in part so uh, there's certainly things to consider so from top of mind is there anything that comes to you when you think about investing in ag and what you would consider so i wrote down six factors i'd be interested to see how many are the same as you wrote down and how many are different yeah but i think the biggest one especially in australia is the weather as a bucket and under that climate change, drought, water policy and stuff like that. This is an industry that is so, so, so exposed to what is happening with our climate. And if you're going to make a big investment in the industry, you need to be thinking about that risk. You need to think about Australia's water policy and what that is going to mean, especially for farmers in the lower half of Australia who are just, you know, desperate for water at the moment. You need to think what these droughts are doing. It is so exposed to the climate and to weather and it's a, it's a real risk because obviously it's highly uncontrollable. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, weather was on my factors to consider a very weather-dependent industry and this is where also having an understanding of the basics of economics also comes into play because a lot of our factors have an end result impact on production levels and also prices because it starts there's all these things that we'll discuss start to affect supply and demand so getting an understanding of how supply and demand push prices and then how prices affect your your company's performance is important to consider all right so all right i'll go for one ren exchange rates is something that you need to consider when uh you're particularly looking at companies that have majority of their income coming from exports so it's advantageous for these companies to have a low australian dollar because it means that international buyers it's cheaper for them to buy product from these australian farmers so more often than not you'll hear farmers sort of have some sort of uh, i guess moan and whinge a little if the australian dollar gets too high because it impacts the amount of product that they can sell down the track yeah that's a that's a very good one obviously a lot of the growth in this industry is coming from exports so uh, it's if, if we were having this conversation maybe 50 years ago, the growth would be coming 
it w- you wouldn't be as exposed to the export market for a lot of these subcategories of in in the agricultural space. But yeah, these days it is critical. All right, what's next? Well, building on that, and you touched on the export story before, but specifically the China story, yeah. and the Asia, the emerging Asian middle class, just most of the big agricultural names these days either are benefiting from the China story or will try and tell investors that they're benefiting from the China story because it is just so critical to a lot of the fortunes of the industry. And just to give you a a taste of how important it is, in the last seven years, so in 2012, Australia exported 2,000 tonnes of beef to China in 2019, we're on track to export 30,000 tonnes wow. of beef to China. So there is just such a profound growth opportunity there. And it's a story that we've talked about. It's a story that is very familiar to the investing community. But if you're looking at agricultural stocks and if you're trying to forecast a growth trajectory and all of that, a big part of it is how can we better service the Asian middle class? What's the demand in that in that middle class looking like? Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, good point. And there are a number of companies that are on my list for a bit later that are really making the most of that demand that's coming from China. So I guess to your to sort of sim in a similar vein, Ren, I guess geopolitics around the world has an impact on the agricultural industry from a point of view of policies that take place in other countries. So, for example, tariffs can have an impact on agriculture as well as if you look at what's happening in the space of live exports as well and, I guess, countries making their own decisions on what they will and will not accept into their country and and how they will accept it has impact on production back home. Yeah, one of the most protected industries globally is agricultural industries, almost all the big countries provide massive subsidies for their agricultural industries and then also put up trade barriers. Recently, the US and the EU were talking about a deal and Australian farmers got screwed, well, yeah, lost out on that because the EU have strict quotas for cattle imports or beef imports and as part of you know placating Trump, the EU agreed to give a whole lot more to the US than they previously had and that came at the expense of Australian farmers. So free trade deals are really important. Things like the Trans-Pacific Partnership that Obama was trying to drive in Asia would have been huge for Australian farmers. You know, similarly the US sorry, the Australia, China, Australia, Japan, Australia, South Korea, free trade agreements are all really important for farmers. So yeah, that's a that's a big one and probably an under-discussed one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I won't probably go into too much detail on the rest, Ren, but I think technology there's, has an p- important part to play. Well, yeah, so I think there's probably worth going into a little bit of detail on that one because that was my next one as well. Okay. One of the most transformative applications of the Internet of Things and AI, but mainly the Internet of Things, is going to be agriculture. And specifically, this trend towards precision agriculture yeah. is going to radically reshape the agricultural industry globally. And we can already start to see that emerging, I guess, but it is in its infancy. 
But what we will see is, you know, farms with a far more sensors, far more high tech, far more machine driven, and a lot more precise about how they are growing crops. Yeah. Water levels, fertilizer use, harvesting times, all that stuff. We should see crop yields increase. I guess the the effects in the industry probably are tough to forecast at this stage, but it is a trend that I would be watching very closely if I was interested. Well, I, I am watching very closely because I am interested in this space. Yeah, because it is it is it is going to be a massive change. Well, it's fascinating what's what they're doing in Japan at the moment with those labs of essentially growing walls and walls of lettuces and carrots and all that sort of stuff inside. You know giving them the perfect amount of water that is required, the perfect amount of light, and essentially being able to grow all year round in small spaces, huge volumes and, and quantities. So, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, the impact of technology is, is going to be big. Yeah, yeah. A few other ones I had. Uh, in Australia, the agricultural industry was often selling to the supermarket duopoly and that probably there wasn't a lot of competition in buyers. That potentially is getting broken as new entrants enter the market. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for these agricultural companies in a more fragmented buying environment. So that's a trend to look for. And then the last one I had was changing consumer trends. Yeah. So moving to things like Beyond Meat rather than actual beef and you know stuff like that will be an interesting one to watch as well. Australians do love their red meat though. They do, but you know the health food category or like the vegetarian and vegan categories are growing very quickly. They are. Equity mate. Nice. Okay, so we've had a bit of an idea of what the industry looks like. We know what some of the factors to consider. When we're talking about agriculture, Ren, there's maybe six sort of ways that you can break it up. This is what I've got. I'm interested to see if you you have anything different, but we've got, I guess, subcategories being dairy, pastoral companies, fertilizer companies, horticultural companies, Stock and station companies and then sugar, for some reason, is classified as its own sort of subcategory, So, which which is interesting, but they're kind of the main sort of six broad categories when it comes to, I guess, what we're discussing. And then there's fisheries and forestry as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk companies. Yes. Okay. Big, big companies out there. 
So do you do you want to kick it off? Sure. I mean, from my point of view now, we, we actually, when we first started Equity Mates in our hypothetical portfolio, we put in the Australian Agricultural <laughs> yeah. Company, AAC, uh, AAC yep. is the ticker. So the Australian Agricultural Company is a company that owns and operates feedlots and farms covering around 7 million hectares of land in Queensland and the Northern Territory, so roughly 1% of Australia's land mass. So it just goes to show some of the, the size of some of these companies that we're, that we're talking about. But Ren, look, from my point of view, what I, what I found on the ASX was companies that, I guess, touched on many different points of the, the agricultural spectrum, I guess. And I was also fascinated with some of the private companies that, that are out there, especially in, in, in cattle. So yeah, how, how did you want to approach this? So the the way I, I I didn't look specifically at companies I, I sort of looked at how you could get exposure to okay. this, this theme. Let's go that way and then we'll throw the companies in in that in in the where, mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think the the first way you can get exposure is you can get exposure to the industry as a whole. There are ETFs out there that just track the you know the either the global agricultural industry or the Australian agricultural industry. Our friends at BetaShares have a global agricultural industry ETF, ASX ticker food. If you just have a thesis that, you know, the whole industry is going to grow, there's going to be more people to feed, and you know, we're going to become more efficient at producing food, you could make a bet on the industry as a whole. Surely Australia's weighted pretty heavily in that index, I would assume. No, I think – well, I think the beta shares one is ex-Australia, so it doesn't oh. include Australia, but you could definitely find ones that include Australia. Okay. Yeah. So that's always an important one to check on any ETF. So the next one, and this is probably where we can start folding your companies in, is large Australian players in the market. And so for me, I just wrote a list – Treasury Wine Estates, yep. uh, A2 Milk, yep. Grain Corp, Australian Agricultural Company, Steggles, some um, pretty household names, I guess, when you think about food. Yeah. yeah. So to your point, Ren, if, you, if you're new to the show and have no idea what Ren's talking about there, Treasury Wine Estates has a portfolio of really well-known Australian brands in wine, yep. such as Penfolds, Wolf Blass, Lindemans. Yeah just to name a few. I don't know, Jake, Jacob's Creek, is that them? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> they sell to more than 70 countries around the world, including the US and China, so both very big markets. And um, they've been a, a very strong performer and a, I guess a stalwart of the Australian securities exchange for a number of years now. Yeah, absolutely crushing it in China at the moment, Yeah, killing it. Yeah. So that's if you want exposure to the wine industry. Ren, you also mentioned A2 Milk, and I'll throw in Bellamy's there as well. So tickers A2M and BAL, both in infant formula. Yep. And that's uh, Bellamy's main, I guess, product is organic infant formula. And they are absolutely capitalizing on the growth and demand coming from the Chinese market. And A2 Milk, uh, they specialize in the A1 protein-free milk products and has been one of Ren's most successful investments to date. So they're also booming and taking advantage of our position in Asia Pacific markets. Ren, you mentioned Grain Corp. So they focus on storage and logistics, marketing and processing of all things grain. And I also want to throw in their Ingham's, which we know is chicken. So if you want exposure to chicken. And then there's also a company called Rice Growers Limited and their biggest product or brand is Sunrise 
So they're one of actually Australia's largest brand food exporters, all things rice. So they're some of the major players in the Australian market. If you'd like to get some direct access in some particular sort of subcategories of agriculture and, and fishery and forestries, go and check out some of those companies. A lot of them position very well to take advantage of the growth coming, as we said, from a lot of the Asian markets. I said Steggles. I actually meant Ingham's. Oh, right. I got my chicken brands mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Ingham's. And of course, Ren, we can't forget Costa Group, which is Australia's largest horticulture company and a major supplier of produce to, I guess, Woolies and Coles and a lot of our food retailers. Yeah, yeah. So they're the large Australian players. There's heaps more, but we'll move on. There's also a number of small Australian players. These are small agricultural companies that essentially are having a crack. A lot of them have listed on the ASX specifically to try and export, but it is just a... It is just an industry where there's a lot of small caps. Bubs is one that is particularly interesting. Uh, they are trying to capitalize on the infant formula craze. Yeah. But they do goat milk infant formula interesting. Ra- rather than cow milk. I think their stock has tripled this year. Wow, okay. Yeah, they've been a really strong performer. And there's there's just heaps, heaps of others. So if you think about you know, what we were talking about in terms of the width and breadth of the industry from wine to sort of farmers of animals to growers of nuts and fruit and veggies to everything in between. There's a lot of ASX listed companies that you could look into. Yeah. So Bub's up 154% year to date. So absolutely capitalizing on that export Uh, market. So not, not quite three times. But still some solid returns. So, Ren, before we close it out, it's definitely worth mentioning that whilst, well, whilst, there, are some, whilst there are some big companies out there on the Australian Stock Exchange, Securities Exchange, there are also some huge players in the market that are, that are still private, one of which is Hancock Prospecting. Mm. So, Hancock Pro- Prospecting, you may have heard of Gina Reinhart, one of Australia's wealthiest people has made a lot of her money from mining, the mining industry, iron ore. And she has recognised the demand and growth potential in the Australian agriculture industry and has gone about buying up large cattle stations, premium cattle stations in northwest of Australia. You may have heard of Mulga Downs or Fossil Downs. So she owns, 20, so Hancock Prospecting Rent owns 25 properties 215,000 herd head of cattle. That's excluding her partnership with Kidman and Co., which we will probably touch on as well. So she earns a fair bit of cash from these exporting the, this beef overseas and, you know, really looking to, to capitalize on the growth that's coming from beef. As you said, what China's going to be 30,000 tons of red meat or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything from a private point of view? I'm sure you want to touch on Kidman and Co. No, I didn't really look at private. Okay. Um, so you you crack on and then I've got some other ways you can get exposure. Yeah, nice. All right. We'll probably won't spend too much longer on this because unless you can know how to get into private equity and get your hands on it, it's not, not much well, point. But <laughs> that is not a bad segue because there's one company in particular, there's there's a few others that did exist, but um, there are ways that you can give your money to companies that are essentially acting as private equity in the agricultural space. And the company that I'm thinking of in Australia is Rural Funds Management, who 
essentially then go and buy different agricultural companies and you know manage them better than they've been managed turn them around whatever it is yeah they have a they have a bunch of different ones blue sky alternative did a bit in the agricultural space they bought sort of water rights and stuff like that they're an alternatives fund manager more so than agricultural but there's a few companies like that out there so no i can't get you into private equity but there are some companies that sort of give you that similar exposure yeah right it's interesting but the way i want to finish it in terms of giving exposure is there's a there's a saying that in a gold rush people make more money selling shovels than searching for gold yep and in the gold rush that is the australian agricultural industry trying to become the food bowl of asia potentially it makes more sense to sell shovels than it does to uh, forage for gold. And so there's probably two key ways that you could do this. The first one is REITs, real estate investment trusts. These are companies that invest in real estate or invest in land. And so, you know, if the Australian agricultural industry takes off and the value of the land that is supporting this industry will then, then become more valuable... And rather than investing in the companies, you can invest in the land through these REITs. So there's a few in the US. There's at least one in Australia whose name is Vital Harvest Freehold Trust. Okay. Australia's first standalone agri-REIT, as it's called. And they own citrus and berry farms in Tasmania, South Australia, and New South Wales. So there's probably going to be more that spring up over the coming years. So REITs are one way that you can get access to the industry and to the growth of the industry rather than picking a particular company. Yeah. And then the last one, which I think is really important and is really on trend in terms of this wave of precision agriculture that is going to come along is investing in companies that service the agricultural industry. There's an Australian company, New Farm, obviously the big US giant Monsanto, which is now owned by Bayer, but one that is particularly focused on this precision agriculture wave is Deere, which is John Deere. Many people would know it for making tractors, Tractors, yeah. but they're agricultural services. So I think looking at who's going to make money in this agricultural wave that is sweeping Australia in the structural growth in the industry across the world as our population moves very quickly to sort of 9 billion people, 9 billion mouths to feed. Some of these agricultural services companies, especially the international ones, may be the uh, the biggest winners in it all. Nice. Yeah. So a lot of opportunity out there to get access to the agricultural industry in a number of different ways. You can do it through some of the uh, forms that Ren just discussed, be it through ETFs as well, or we've mentioned a couple of the big players in, in the Australian agricultural industry that you can buy direct through the ASX. So hopefully we've been able to provide a bit of a shallow dive into the agricultural industry i think if anything hopefully we've been able to highlight that it is an absolutely golden opportunity you could say for australians to be able to invest in their own backyard really and take advantage of what will probably be ongoing demand from particularly the asian countries as as they only grow and grow in terms of population so as you started ren i think at the start of the episode you said it's one something that i think we under 
appreciate or it's certainly underinvest in. I'm really not invested in it at all other than, well, no, I'm not even in Bellamy's anymore. So yeah, I don't know about you, but do you have any closing comments on how you sort of approach this? I always have a, another comment. <laughs> I know. All right, we'll oh, leave it there. Uh, uh, no, hold on, one more. Now that you've teed me up, I think this industry, you could say it displays two contradictory characteristics and it's something to keep in mind is that on one hand, it's a very commoditized industry. You know, wheat from one supplier is the same as wheat from another supplier. A cow from one farm is the same as a cow from another farm. And so in that sense, the industry is highly exposed to overall commodity prices, the market price for wheat, the market price for beef and stuff like that. But on the other hand, we're seeing the emergence of really strong brands, partially tied or a lot tied to export, but not wholly tied to export. And, you know, we were talking about brands like A2 Milk and Treasury Wine Estates and stuff like that. And so when you're investing in the industry, make sure you understand is the company that I'm investing in a commodity player and they're going to be the lowest cost operator that will win because they're better able to withstand the fluctuations in the commodity market? Or am I investing in a company that's building a brand and so will be able to charge a premium for whatever product they're selling and then won't be exposed to the fluctuations in the commodity market as much because their brand is able to create some inelasticity in the demand for their product. So just when you're thinking about what you're investing in, make sure you're clear about that because if you're not clear, you could pick it wrong and then the market could turn the commodity market for whatever, you know, strawberries, avocados, nuts, whatever it is could turn and then, you know, your investment thesis might fall through. Yeah, very similar to the way that Mark Bernberg thinks about the cannabis industry at the moment between growers, suppliers, the commodity side, and then also, you know, the power that the brands will create down the track. So I I guess- the, the reason he, it is similar is because it is similar. <laughs> yeah. It is an agricultural product. Absolutely. All right, Ren, always good to chat stocks and markets as always. Good episode. Hopefully we shed some light on, on the industry and looking forward to continuing with a few other industry deep dives while we're deep diving into sushi and all things Japan when we're, <laughs> <laughs> when we're over there. So uh, we'll leave it there and we'll chat next week. Sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.